Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. I was praying today and been praying this evening for Pastor Gleason. And God direct, this is not my scriptural text, this is my pretext. But God directed me to Second Chronicles, the first chapter, when Solomon was getting ready to build the great shul, we call it in the Hebrew, the temple. Shul means congregation. And when Solomon was getting ready to build the temple, God came to him. And God said, Solomon, Ask me what you will, and I'll grant it to you. And Solomon stood there, and he said, I'll tell you what I want. Just give me wisdom to go in and come out before this great people. And the Hebrew, in the Hebrew Bible there, in the Novi, it says when Solomon asked God, that God, Solomon said, God, give me a hearing spirit, a hearing spirit, a hearing spirit, because I can't, I can't, King this great group of people without a hearing spirit. Give me a hearing spirit. All right. All right. And then God spoke to Solomon. And God said, Solomon, because you've not asked for the neck of your enemies, you've not asked for wealth and riches, you've not asked for long life and power, I'm going to give you this wisdom to go in and out before you people. I'm going to give you a hearing spirit. But he said, then it said on down there that Solomon gathered gold like the dust and the rocks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I've been praying on Brother Gleason, God give him a hearing spirit, what the Spirit's trying to say to the church. Hallelujah. Give him a hearing spirit. We covet this church. I, I, I've share, shared this with about two other churches. But Brother T.W. Barnes, anybody ever hear Brother Barnes down in Louisiana? He's an old prophet of God, 90 years old, pastoring 600 people. His youth leader's 68. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, uh, and uh, Brother Barnes told me, he calls me boy. He said, let me tell you something, boy. He said, God's got men that are prophets to churches or, or to people. God goes in and God sends men in to people personally. And, but he said, God wants to raise you up in this end time to be a prophet to churches, to help churches line up with the pastor and do what God's called you to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for laughing at my corny jokes. And, and I was preaching one time, Rex Johnson and Billy Cole. I walked back and Rex and, or I should say, Brother Johnson and Billy Cole said, we figured you out. He said, you tell those corny, funny stories, and while people's laughing, you, spoke a, you poke a spiritual principle down their throat before they even realize it. And they said, if you just told them that just with frowning, they'd get mad and run you out. Hallelujah. But he said, you're so crazy. That nobody wants to argue with an insane man. Hallelujah. <laughs> that we love you, covet your prayers. My wife, she's going to get mad when I tell you this. My wife is fasting for a move of God. And, and I called her this evening. She's on her fourth day of fasting, nothing but water. She wants to see revival come. And, and she's never been here. She's never been here. But she said, I've got such a burden for Kansas City. Hallelujah. I told her, I said, I'd like to bring you with me sometime, but I don't want you to see how they abuse your husband and give you a bad spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We love you. Appreciate the goodness of God. 
Get your Bibles, please. Turn to Chronicles, or Chronicles, Numbers, the sixth chapter. Numbers, the sixth chapter. Numbers, the sixth chapter, verse 22. Numbers 622. Just coming to church tonight, and Brother Justin. So, Brother Mahaney, how do we know when God's talking to us? I said, when God speaks to you, it'll completely line up with the Word of God. God will never tell you anything that contradicts the Word of God. Hallelujah. So that's our plumb line. Numbers, the sixth chapter, the 22nd verse. No fair looking over somebody else's page to see where it's at. Hallelujah. Oh, it's up there. I thought you was all spaced out seeing angels or something. Hallelujah. Let's read this together. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. I want to preach a little while tonight on the time of impartation. The time of impartation. You may be seated. God bless you all. Hallelujah. Praise God. The time of impartation. The time of impartation. I'm just going to wait everybody gets settled down. I don't know what there is about Pentecostal people when we stand up and we all get a, our minds and then we settle down. Everything goes mushugana. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody fixed up? Hallelujah. Praise God. You ready? Hallelujah. Come on, everybody look around. Look around and see if you want to look at anybody. We need to get into the Word. If you got something so cool it just can't wait till after service, go ahead and say it. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. I want to break about the Jewish people just a minute here. Two-tenths of one percent of the population of the world is Jewish. Two-tenths of one percent. Not two percent, not ten percent, not one percent, but two-tenths of a percent. Out of two-tenths of one percent, 80 percent of your doctors, your lawyers, your CPAs, your philharmonic performers, your bankers, your high financiers, your Nobel Prize winners, your Pulitzer Prize winners, 80 percent are Jewish out of a two-tenths of a percent population. I believe that's because of the blessing that the family put on each other. Come on, I said, I believe that's because of the blessing. Hallelujah. Right here, is, it, this is called the high priestly Aaronic blessing. Come on. The high priestly blessing when we bless. You know what's wrong with our generation? There's no blessing on our generation. There's no rite of passage. Come on. In the, in, in the Hebrew, when a boy is eight days old, he goes through the brisk. Uh, the moil comes and, and, and the circumcision takes place and, and the useless flesh is cut away. Then when he's 30 days old, they have the pidyahabim where they give the half shekel. Then when they're 13 years old, they have the bar mitzvahs, and, and uh, some of the liberal groups have bat mitzvah for the girls. Hallelujah. And, and there's no right of path. When our kids get old enough, they learn to listen to rap music. <laughs> Come on, or go out in the street. or that, That's their right of passage. Come on, make it out in the back seat of a car somewhere, listen to some queer rock group. Come on. There's no blessing on the marriages today. Come on. But God's got a blessing for this last day, church. I said, God's got a blessing for this last day, church. God's got a blessing for this last day, church. Let me just share this. I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me three times about sharing this, that I was preaching on the East Coast, and, and uh, we had this uh, man come 
that slept in a coffin at night. He was a Satanist. He had about 2,000 people under him in the Satan church. Slept in a coffin at night. Drank cat blood and sacrifices. And came to service to hear me preach. And we cast the devil out of that sucker. Hallelujah. We grabbed him by the head and cast devils out of him. And God delivered him, filled him with the Holy Ghost. And we had a witch, seventh generation witch pray through, and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And her husband was the head of the uh, Ghost Riders motorcycle gang, and they're both pa and they're pastoring a church in Massachusetts today. Hallelujah. But this, but this Satanist told me, he said, Brother Mahaney, there's a, uh, the devil has to operate under laws just like God operates under laws. And he said, never forget this. There's something in, in, spirit, in the spirit world called the law of spiritual return. And I said, what do you mean? He said, if somebody casts a spell on you and somebody tries to put a whammy on you or a hoodoo on you, he said, when that spell comes to you and can't take effect, then the spell goes back to the one that cast it. That's the law of spiritual return. Hallelujah. He said, you know why I came to this church? I tried night after night to put a spell against this church. But he said, whatever you people have in here is greater than anything we have in the spirit world. Come on, I'm talking about the blessing of God that's resting on this last day church. Come on, if you realize who you are and what God's covered you with, you, should, you wouldn't be afraid of every bald-headed, buck-toothed, knock-kneed, yellow-bellied, bull-legged, skimp-backed devil in hell. Come on, when the devil gets, comes to me, he can't even touch me because there's a bloodline around me. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I want you to bless my people. I want you to bless my people. He didn't say criticize my people. He didn't say look like you're better than everybody else. He said, I want you to bless my people. Baruch in the Hebrew. Baruch. And it's the imparting and transfer of God's blessing from one person to the other. If you'll notice in here, it says you've got to say it. You've got to speak the blessing. Come on. You've got to speak the blessing. And you know what the blessing does? It, it, it protects you from anything that is hurtful or harmful or will affect your welfare. Come on. It's God's favor. It's God's goodwill. It's God's anointing. It's God's grace. It's God's love. It's God's saving power. Then he said, I want you to bless my people with peace. We have a word in Hebrew called shalom. But it doesn't mean just uh, what's happening, baby. You know, when we see people, each other in, in Israel, we say shalom. And uh, now there's another word we have. It's mashalom cha, which means uh, how is your peace. The word peace, the word shalom, comes from the word shalom, which means holiness, wholeness. And when you wish somebody peace, it wishes them wholeness in their health, in their family, in their finances. Come on, in everything, in every area of their life, God wants to bless them with wholeness. Hallelujah. And he said we're supposed to bless people with peace and wholeness. Come on, not talk about them like they was a dog. And God's blessing is going to cause you to shine forth. Nothing lacking in your health, in your favor. And he said, touch him and lay, my, lay your hand on him. See, the largest, the largest sensory part of the brain is the touch center. I forget what my father told me, but I don't forget how my father touched me. Come on. Ain't it funny how you hit a kid back here and he thinks differently out here? Come on. So I don't believe in whipping kids. That's the reason we can't build jails and prisons big enough. I'm not talking about abuse, hurting them or burning them. 
Come on. God put two little buns back there to fire up and whip. I'm talking about being a blessing. I'm talking about blessed. And I'll give you another scripture. Proverbs said, Proverbs said a curse is like a darting sparrow when it can't land. When somebody sends a curse against you. Come on, it's like a darting sparrow. It can't land because when it comes to you, all it can find is the blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the reason the false prophet limped up to the top of that mountain. They'd hired him to curse Israel. He limped up there. He got a mule wreck on the way over there. And he limped up to the top of that mountain. He said, I can't curse Israel. They got something on them. Hallelujah. They got a blessing on them. God blessed them when they came out of Egypt. Hallelujah. You see, the largest, the largest sensory part of the brain is the touch center. My hand has over 500 sensors in the palms of my hand that when I touch somebody, it goes directly to my brain and into my spirit. The hand is mentioned 1,440 times in the Bible. The hand can give direction or the hand can get you lost. Come on. The hand can lift or the hand can push down. The hand can be a palm of praise or it can be a clenched fist. The hand can climb to the highest depths or it can go to the lowest point. See, depending on the mind and the spirit that directs that. Remember when Jesus walked into the synagogue and he found the man with a withered hand? Come on, had one hand good and the other hand withered? I believe that was a type of the last day church. One withered by lack of love and prayer. Come on, one withered by judgmentalism. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. He didn't say stretch forth your bad hand. He just said, and there was something in Jesus that man knew he could trust him. And he's, you usually cover up the bad part. Come on. That's the reason women like makeup. Cover up the zits and the... Come on, I'm not, it's, just, that's not, it's just honest. It's not really makeup anyway. It's make down. Hallelujah. I cleaned up. I fixed dinner for my wife a few weeks ago and cleaned the house all up. Fixed dinner. And, and if you think I'm a sissy, guys, just try me right out here after service. Hallelujah. I'm man enough. A little soap and water and vacuum cleaner is not going to wash away my hormones. Hallelujah. I didn't know what to do with the trash, so I just, I just lifted up the carpet in the family room and swept it all into the... Yeah, she walked in there. She said, how come I'm taller over here than over here? Hallelujah. And I said, I was trying to hide the trash from you, Mama. Hallelujah. See, we like to hide the ugly. Come on. Come on, that's why as fat guys, as fat guys just button the top button on our coat, brother. Hallelujah. But Jesus said, stretch. The natural thing was for him to put his bed, but he stretched it open. Come on. Hallelujah. Now watch this. The hand has five fingers. Five is a number of grace. One is a number of deity. Two is a number of agreement. Three is a number of resurrection. Four is a number of order. Five is a number of grace. The fifth time Noah's name is mentioned, he finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. The fifth time Ruth's name is mentioned, she finds Boaz. The fifth time Boaz's name is mentioned, he finds Ruth. He's got five names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. There's five ingredients in the anointing oil, five ingredients in the incense oil. Five is always a number of grace in the Hebrew. Six is a number of flesh. Remember, the woman had been married five times. The one she was living with was the sixth. But when she met the seventh man, he took her back to the fifth, the grace. Hallelujah. Brother Tenney said, you're hard on us. You make us think we're not used to think when we come to church. 
But God straightened that grace out. We got two hands, the number of agreement. God straightened the agreement out. We got ten fingers, which is completeness. God gives us complete deliverance. I've got 30 muscles in this hand. 30 is a number of apostolic authority. Come on, God's going to take us somewhere if we'll submit to him and let the blessing come on our life. UCLA done a study that for a person to be uh, whole and healthy, they have to have eight meaningful touches a day from somebody that loves them. Uh-oh, Brother Glisson's got him a message for some poor folks. Hallelujah, hallelujah. For somebody to be whole, they have to have eight touches a day for somebody. Reach over and touch somebody you love. I didn't say go nuts. I just said touch them. Hallelujah. That's why when I'm gone from Sister Mahaney a few days, I get kind of cranky. I hadn't had any meaningful touches. Hallelujah. But there's something about the touch. It's been proven by uh, a doctor at Harvard that when somebody touches somebody with love, they can be sick, and the hemoglobin in their blood, which, which, which affects the, the pigment, the red blood cells, begins to rise, and the blood pressure lowers when somebody's touched with somebody they care about. Come on, we got a lot of porcupine Christians. They got a lot of good points, but you just can't get real close to them. Come on, we don't need a new definition. We need a new demonstration. We live like the world's a playground instead of a battleground. We're touchy about what we believe, but we're not touched by what we believe. Come on, our problem, we got a rationalized faith and a socialized gospel and a paralyzed church that's at the gate watching the glory move up and down the aisles, and we can't come in because we're not touchable. I was having dinner. There's a place I love to eat in Jerusalem on Mount Zion, just right outside the tomb of David and probably as far from here to that church up there to the upper room. Love to eat there. Of course, there's places I love to eat in St. Louis and San Diego and Milwaukee. Hallelujah. So we, it's, it's called Beit David, the house of David. So we was in there one day eating, and, and I was watching this man. They got a potter that makes vessels just like they did in the time of Jeremiah the prophet. And I watched him, and I told Brother Walls, my partner, I said, now oh, you take the people on up to the upper room. I want to watch this dude. And I walked over, and he reached down into his and that muck and slime up to his elbows and took out a formless, massless lump and put it on the wheel. <laughs> and he began to, his hands just bouncing because of the impurities and the flaws in that clay. And God said, that's where you was at. Said a preacher reached into the muck and the mire and the, and the junk to pull you out. And, and he said, unless we perceive the wheel of God, we'll never be what God wants us to be. And I watched him as he began to lift that vessel. He began to lift that vessel pretty soon. He had a beautiful vessel. He said, you want to buy it? And I said, how much? And he told me, and I tried to Gentile him down. I said, no, I'm not. What? And I said, let me try it. He said, it, it'd be, no, you couldn't do it. It'd be impossible. I said, $2. He said, right here. I'm not responsible for your cam if you break it, Bubba. Hallelujah. So he began to pull that clay up, and he said, now you take it. And I touched it and just caved the whole thing in. He said, I said, what's the deal? He said, try it again. And I touched it and just caved the whole thing in. He said, your touch is far too harsh. And I said, what am I doing wrong? He said, a real master never pushes the clay down. A real master always lifts the clay. 
Hallelujah. Come on. A real ministry lifts you instead of pushing you down. A real pastor wants to lift you to find your giftings, not push you down. A real pastor wants to lift you to release you to love God and to go out and release other people, not push you down. Come on. We need a, we need a lifting ministry. Come on. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Come on. We need a touching ministry, a lifting ministry in these last days. We was going, coming, we went to Salt Lake City. I made two mistakes on that general conference. Number one, I drove. Number two, I took my kids. And I got three children, all three born on August the 29th. We're oneness. And don't even think that. Think about that. Don't study that. It'll blow your mind. But each one had a third of the back seat. Yeah, and, 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 and if one would get over and touch on the other side of their, the other's third, the fight would be on. My kids fought. Yours didn't. Mine did. And my daughter would ride on this side where I couldn't get. My boys, I'd get a hold of them and, and right here behind their knee and boy, and just squeeze. And, and they just scream and promise and plead the blood and everything else. Hallelujah. And Shelly, she'd get over where I couldn't touch her. So I had a, what do they call those? Radios the rednecks used to use? CB. My handle was the Raven Reverend. And you get on there and talk in tongues about 10 minutes, boy, and that air gets quiet. So I heard him, we was about 100 miles this side of, or that side of Denver, Colorado, and I heard him talking about an eagle. So I pulled over and whipped the kids, made them wake up, and, and uh, I said, I want you to see it. I'd never seen an eagle out of the zoo. And, and we stood there, we watched that, and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That big old eagle had those little old bluebirds and sparrows and jaybirds and, and uh, all those other birds just flitting around, and, and that eagle just sitting there not even paying attention to him. That's why it calls us eagle Christians. <laughs> Hallelujah. And pretty soon that eagle just reached up his wings and brought him down. <laughs> Boy, when he did, looked like he went up about 300 feet. And the dust boiled all them other little Stupid birds just split. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God said, that's the way my last day church is going to do. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, that eagle made another swoop down, and, and it looked like it was about 300 yards up in the sky. Barely could see him. And I got my wife's binoculars that we was looking at uh, the Gleasons and the Urshans and all the big shots. Hallelujah. Conference with. And, and I looked at it, and that eagle was just cooling it, just chilling. And I said, what's it doing? And God said, it's renewing his strength. She th said the eagle doesn't mount up. The eagle studies the wind, and the eagle learns how to use the wind. And when the wind comes, the eagle spreads its wings, and, 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 and the wind lifts that eagle. He said that's, what my, that's the reason I call my children, my, 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 my church, the eagle church. Hallelujah. Because you learn how to study the wind. You need to learn how when the Spirit of God's begin to move, you need to learn how to be, have a perspective about what God's doing. You know, there's a, when that eagle picks its mate, that eagle picks the fastest eagle it can find because there's going to come a time it's got to push that little eagle out of the nest. See, the, the eagle begins to dive down and begins to pull out all the down and all the twigs because it's making it uncomfortable for that eagle. See, God's making it uncomfortable for some of you. Hallelujah. We're going to be moving again. We're going to pull up our stuff. And the cool thing about, about uh, Abraham, he stayed in the same vicinity for all of his wondering. Hallelujah. And, 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 God and that eagle takes a comfort zone away from that little eagle. Come on. Feeds it, goes out and finds a worm, drops it in its mouth. Somebody said, the early bird gets the worm. Never did want it, man. 
one day the little eagle's sitting there on the side of the nest, and he feels something push him. And he looks over, and the mom eagle's pushing him off the side of that nest. He turns around and thinks, good God, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> and that eagle starts falls, little eaglet falls. Kind of like the guy running across the back. We was running across the backyard one day, and the cops were chasing us. And, and uh, before I saved, hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, we was running across the backyard, and my buddy said, and my buddy said, watch out for that clothesline. And the guy behind me said, what clothesline? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hallelujah. Kind of like the redneck said, I'll try anything once. And that little eaglet will fall just before it hits the ground. It'll start flapping those little infantile wings. And, and Mama just keeps doing that until, see what God's trying to do. God needs to raise up a ministry out of this church that can be a touch ministry that Brother Gleason don't have to follow you around tell you what to look at and what to watch. And Come on. Hallelujah. And finally, that little eagle gets to a place that it can just go on its own. I don't know what drop you're on, but I know this, that God wants a people that's going to worship him and, and, and touch other people. Hallelujah. The Bible said, in the last days, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The word prophesy there in the Hebrew is naba, naba. It doesn't mean, yeah, I say unto thee. It means to go off like a geyser. It means to go nuts in the eyes of everybody that sees you. Hallelujah. It means to walk in a dimension that nobody else understands you. And it said in the last days when your sons and daughters go nuts and they walk in a dimension that the flesh doesn't even understand and nobody else understands, then in that day I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and have visions. I was standing at the wailing wall a few years ago with an apostolic rabbi. This, this, this rabbi is, is a, he's a Hasidic rabbi, ultra-Orthodox, and he's apostolic, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, tongue talker. Got a beard down to here, hallelujah. He can be saved in Israel, but he can't in America, hallelujah. And we're standing there at the wailing wall, and I've got my prayer shawl on and my yarmulke on, we're standing up there praying. Two fat rabbis, hallelujah. And the rabbi turned to me and said, Reverend Mahani, he said, do you know God has to be worshipped 24 hours a day? God has to be worshipped. And I said, so? He said, when God's people don't worship him, then the angels have to leave the field of endeavor to come back to the throne of God and worship around the throne of God. And he said, the reason angels aren't ministering was because the church is not worshipping. He said, we're good shouters, but we're not good worshipers. God's got to be worshipped, not shouted at. And he said, and I said, are you trying to tell me, uh, Shimon, are you trying to tell me already that, 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 that when we worship God, he said, when God's people worship God, it releases the angels that are standing around the throne to go out and get involved for those whom are the heirs of salvation. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Jesus was a touchy type guy. Jesus touched all kinds of people. He, he went through racial barriers. Come on. He was a touchy person. See, the first thing Jesus did was he blessed the people. The last thing Jesus did in Luke 24 was put a blessing on people. Now watch this. Jesus has risen from the dead. He takes him to Beit Tani, which means the house of the figs or the house of the people. And, and the Bible said he takes him to Beit Anas, which means the house of Annas. He takes him to the high priest, Annas, who was the high priest with Caiaphas at that time, Annas and Caiaphas. 
and he takes him to the house of Annas, and he begins to place this priestly blessing on his people. He said, this is not your priest anymore, but I'm your high priest anymore. Hallelujah. And he said, every time when I bless you, you men are going to go into your homes, and you're going to be the high priest of your house. Come on. I'm going to tell you what. If I was a single parent, I wouldn't let a man of God come to this church and leave unless he laid hands on me and my children. Come on. There's a blessing that comes with God's people. See, Jesus stopped a funeral procession. I've never heard of a funeral being called off. I remember when I was a kid, they, they, they didn't have the, I, remember, I can't remember if it was basketball or football because the Kansas team, most of them died in a plane crash. I've heard a rodeo's been canceled because a cowboy broke his crazy neck. I've heard a wedding's been called off because one of the other party got their right mind. <laughs> Don't laugh as she's looking now. Hallelujah. But Jesus canceled the funeral. Isn't he cool? Jesus canceled. He just walked up and said, hold it. Mama, don't weep. Walked over to the boy, pulled back the fly net, touched the body, and said, get on up. Right. Hallelujah. Come on. He went to Jairus' house and walked in there and touched that 12-year-old daughter because the 12 in his life was dying. Hallelujah. He went to the woman with the issue. It was illegal for him to touch her. Her, her. her husband couldn't touch her. Her family couldn't be around her. Come on, nobody could even sit where she had sat. Nobody could even go into a ceremonial dipping where she had dipped. And it was illegal for anybody to touch her. But he let, him, he let her touch him. Hallelujah. 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 And, and he went to Lazarus' tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. Then he told them, you loose him and let him go. Come on. It was illegal for a Jewish rabbi to go to a graveyard. But Jesus goes to a graveyard. Worse than that, he's headed for the pigs now. Come on. See, God wanted to touch. God wanted to bless people. 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 You know why? Because man is the only thing God touched in creation, and man has to have the touch of God to be complete in his life. I've got a friend of mine, talk to him uh, Saturday on the phone, coming over here. He's worth $500 million. Got his own private jet. And he said, I'm so miserable, Charlie. You know why? Money doesn't satisfy. I had dinner one night at the Beverly Hills Hotel. I was in L.A., and a friend of mine, uh, my cousin is, a film, is, is an actor in California, and, and him and another very wealthy man wanted to take me to dinner. And I said, I don't know where to go. We went to the Polo Lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel. They sent a long black stretch limo for me. I walked, got out, and the maitre d' clicked his heels, said, do you have any reservations? I said, yeah, I thought about not even coming here all day. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sitting across from me was Johnny Carson and just different ones. A hamburger was $39.50 for a dry hamburger. He said, Charlie, would you, I know you pray, would you pray? And I lifted my hands. I said, God, I love you. <laughs> the guy with me said, Mahaney, the people in the kitchen didn't hear you. And I said, I'm not ashamed of him. I wouldn't have traded places with anybody in there. Come on, money's not the answer. If it is, why does Elvis Presley take drugs until he dies? 
Come on, why does Marilyn Monroe kill herself? Why does James Arnest's son kill himself? Why does Mary Tyler Moore's daughter kill herself? Why does Paul Newman's son kill himself? Why does Freddie Prince with a top-rated TV show in the world blow his brains out? Everything we think we got to have, they had it and it didn't satisfy. And what we've got, if they could have had it, it would have brought joy like they never had before in their life. You know why God said, I'm so awesome. If you ever touch me, you'll never be happy until you touch me again. I'm so awesome if you ever feel me. You'll never be happy till you feel me again. I'm so awesome if you ever hear me. You'll never be happy till you hear me again. I'm so awesome if you're ever in my presence. You'll never be happy till you're in my presence again. In Jesus, God's mind thought out. In Jesus, God's heart beat out. In Jesus, God's hands reached out. Come on. He came to touch a world. The church, needs, the church needs to get a touch ministry. The Bible said he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You know what that means in the original? He's touched about what we go through like we're touched about it. Come on. Well, it's okay if we have revival or if my kids are lost. Well, what? Then it, that's the way God sees it. Oy vey. Hallelujah. But when we get desperate, when we lay on our face and say, God, I've got to have a touch of the Spirit of God, then you know what? God gets involved. Hallelujah. I said God gets involved. God gets involved. God gets involved. Listen, two women touched him. Touch the one beside you and say two women touched him. Say one woman was a very, a very devout Jewish lady. She took the oil and poured it on his head. Say it. Hallelujah. Say the other that touched him was at Simon the leper's house. Now what's up with this already? Simon, I know you don't have to say that. Hallelujah. Simon, Simon has leprosy. And he's criticizing somebody that's not in bad a shape as he is that's trying to worship. Now, apparently somewhere, Simon, nobody had ever been healed of leprosy before that they had record of. But somewhere, Jesus must have come and talk, contacted him because Simon was healed or they wouldn't have been coming to his house. Hallelujah. Come on, and the woman breaks the alabaster box and she pours the oil on his feet. And Judas, the religion's always looking around trying to criticize Judas said, whoa, just a minute. We could have taken that money and give it to Mother's Memorial. She's for Christ. Christmas for Christ. And Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. He must love poor folks. He made a lot of us, didn't he? Hallelujah. See, Judas, the Bible said Judas was a thief from the beginning. He wasn't worried about the mission. He was stealing out of the bag already because he was a thief. And it wasn't what Judas got out of the bag that got him in trouble. It's what the bag stole from Judas. Come on. It's not the little attitudes you get. It's what the attitudes take out of you that cause you to lose your blessing. Now, it took, it took 500,000 rose petals crushed to make one pound of this nard, this spikenard. I was going to buy my wife an alabaster box in, in Jerusalem one day. She didn't go with me. And she's been with me, 20, I think, 20 times. But 
and I was going to buy an alabaster box till I went to a, I've got a friend of mine that runs a shop on Ben Yehuda Street. Sometimes when he's got to go, I'll go and run his shop for him. I have more fun uh, selling to people on Ben Yehuda Street. You ought to sell to Jews. Hallelujah. And I call him Meshuggah the Danny, Crazy Danny. And I said, Danny, how much for the alabaster box already? And he told me, and I said, I didn't hear right. What, how much for the box? He told me, and I said, I want all of my group to get out of here. This guy's a thief and a robber. Hallelujah. He said, wait a minute, Reverend Mahoney. And I said, my wife would rather have a scarf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he gave her a scarf. But she broke that box and put it on Jesus. One pound. One pound. I picked up a book in a chemistry lab in Jerusalem one day, and, and Teddy Colick, who was the mayor of Jerusalem's brother, was there, and he, he was a chemist, and it said that it took 500,000 rose petals crushed to make one pound of spikenard. Now, watch this. If I fall, catch me, will you, Brother Gleason? Hallelujah. It took 500,000 rose petals crushed. And it said if you would take, if, if, if you would take the spikenard and mix it with one-third water, or, or one-third spikenard and two-thirds water, you could put it on his feet, and for 15 feet away, you could smell that for 14 days coming up off of his feet. Think about that. Now we're going to get worse. You could put it on his feet. Hallelujah. And you could put complete spikenard like the woman put on Jesus, and for 30 feet away, how far is 30 feet? About 30 feet? For 30 feet, for 21 days, you could smell that spiker coming off of him that that woman poured on him. So what's important about that? She poured it on him 24 hours before Calvary. The most, come on, 24 hours before he went to the cross. What are you trying to say, Brother Man? I'm trying to say the only thing that he took with him into the Garden of Gethsemane and the whipping post and the nails and the cross and the tomb was what that woman poured on him as she began to worship him and begin to anoint his feet. Hallelujah. Come on. What are we going to take into the arena of our end time? Well, we worship down on each other and love on each other and speak over each other. Did you know that in 19... I think 28, 29, there was a man named Charlie Paddock. Anybody ever heard of Charlie Paddock? He won the gold in the Olympics for America. And Charlie Paddock came home a hero, and they was having a parade for him. And he was speaking at a school in Ohio, and he was telling about how you can be whatever you want to be if you make up your mind to do it. And he was leaving a little skinny black kid come running up to him. I said, Mr. Paddock, I'd give anything in the world if I could represent my people and God and run like that. He got out and laid his hands on that little boy's head and said, you can if you want to. Ten years later, Charlie Paddock sat in the stands at the Olympics and watched that little skinny black kid, Jesse Owens, take home the gold for America. Hallelujah. The Olympics was in Berlin. Come on. Hitler, the two things Hitler said is, I don't want that black. There was a black guy and a Jew, and they all won all the trophies, all the go. <laughs> Hitler said, I don't want them out there. But they won all the go. And they were the only two men that didn't salute Hitler when they walked by. Hitler was in Los Angeles, California. He's having a big, or, or Jesse Owens in Los Angeles, and he's having a big parade for him. Hallelujah. They'd like to have a parade for Hitler at uh, uh, Simon Wiesenthal's place. Hallelujah. 
but they were having a big parade for Jesse Owens. And, and, and all of a sudden, Jesse's car stopped, and a little skinny kid said, Mr. Owens, you're my hero. I'd give anything if I could represent and do like you. And he stopped the car and got out. He said, I'm a Christian first, an American second, and he said, I'm a black man third. He said, because when you're a Christian and an American, we all got to be one. Hallelujah. And he got out, and he laid hands on that little boy and said, said, you can be whatever you want to be. Ten years later, Jesse Owens sat in the stands and watched that little kid, Harlan Dillard, win the gold for America in the Olympics. Hallelujah. What are you saying? I'm saying there's an impartation that the apostles laid on this last day church. Hallelujah. That we need to pass one to the other because God's got a last day revival for this church. Come on, we need to speak the blood on each other. We need to speak health on each other. We need to speak blessings on each other. I was preaching last year at Brother Tim Dugas in, in St. Louis, and a man walked up to me. He's assistant pastor in one of the churches. I couldn't tell you what church. He's a member of the Missouri District. And uh, he said, Brother Mahaney, my daughter wants to take your picture. I said, okay. And you know what? There's something about you go, you do this in camps and stuff. Everybody wants you to sign their Bible. Come on, that's not because you're a superstar. That's because there's something about the man of God they realize that they want into their life. And I said, who is this girl? And she said, and he said, this is a helicopter baby. I said, what are you talking about? A few years ago in Stockton, California, I was preaching, and a brand-new convert couple, Brother Haney, went back and got him at the end of my message. I was preaching on, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. And he brought this couple up. They were weeping almost uncontrollably. And I said, what's going on? Brother Haney said, can I have the microphone? I said, Sure, hallelujah. And he said at this very moment, this, this, this couple's baby has had uh, spinal meningitis and had a brain hemorrhage, and the doctor gives it one chance in about three or four million, and if it lives, it'll never be able to think or dress or act or anything else. And he said, Brother Mahaney, he said, the baby's on the helicopter, and the parents came to church tonight because they believe God's going to do Boy, I love new converts. Come on, I love new converts before they get around all of our, all of our deadbeat saints. Hallelujah. And Brother Haney said, you do whatever you feel like. And God spoke to me. He said, remember when I sent the word and healed? He said, send the word. I said, everybody stand up. We stood up, and, and Brother Haney's church faces this way. And I said, everybody turn around and face toward Oakland. I said, it's 914, just about now, that plane, that helicopter is going to be landing at the Children's Trauma Center, and we're going to speak the word of faith. And every one of us, about 2,500 people, said, in the name of Jesus, we send the word of healing. And they said at exactly 9.14, that helicopter bounced. And when it did, that baby set up. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when it landed, they stuck it out to the doctor. And the doctor said, what kind of joke is this? Where's the sick baby? And that was a little girl who was taking a picture for me at Brother Dugas' church last year. And she is, and, and, and she's a genius when it comes to music and the piano. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. We're living way down here below our means. I like what Brother... Gleason said last night, you know what God's done? He's just taken us and thrown us off into the deep end, and we're going to have to learn to touch each other. Hallelujah. See, Jesus talked about divorce, then he said, bring the kids. Isn't it cool? Jesus always, he said, he, 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 he gave the mandate on divorce, then he said, bring the children. He said, I want those that's hurt by divorce to come. He said, bring the outs to the mandate. Hallelujah. And he set those kids between his knees. 
I laid hands on them, began to bless those kids. Barukata. Hallelujah. What would you like to have Jesus just put his hands on you and say, Barukata. Bless you. Bless you. Barukhabane. Bless the children. Hallelujah. Bless you. Bless you. Hallelujah. 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 I've often wondered what happened to those children. And, 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 and Paul talked about some super apostles. Hallelujah. Come on. They walked in the blessing of God. Joseph walked in the blessing of God. And, and, and Joseph, when he's down in Egypt, Pontifer's wife tried to bust a move on Joseph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tried to make an appropriate advance. Hallelujah. And Joseph said, I'm not going to do this because of the covenant, I, of the relationship I have with my God. There was no Ten Commandments, but there was a law of dedication in Joseph's life greater than any of that. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, we need to cover each other. We need to cover each other. I said we need to cover each other. I was preaching at the men's conference in Louisiana, and I was preaching about, I, I was preaching about the blood. One of the men came up to me and said, Brother Mahe, or we, I wasn't even through preaching. I was talking about pleading the blood, getting covered by the blood. And, and one of the men hollered out, we was kind of informal, no suits, you know, just about, we had about 4,000 men in a men's conference. How do, you, how do you cover, how do you get the blood on you, Brother Mahaney? And I just stopped, and Brother Tenney said, answer him, Brother Charlie. Hallelujah. And I said, Okay. I said, hyssop only grows out of one place in Israel. Hyssop doesn't grow out of the dirt. It doesn't grow out of a tree like some plants. It doesn't grow out of a bank, a garden. It only grows out of one place in Israel, and it grows out of a rock. And you can't touch Genesis without touching the blood of Jesus. You can't touch Exodus without touching the blood of Jesus. You can't touch Leviticus and Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, because any place in there, it's the blood. And I said, how we apply the blood is we take the hyssop that comes out of the rock. We take the word that our rock spoke and dip it in the blood of this basin and paint it over our families. Hallelujah. And bless our families. Hallelujah. That's why we've got toxic parents today. That's why the most dangerous place for an unborn baby is in the womb of the mother. Come on. They let a, they, they let a filthy mouth, ungodly rap singer be the honorary principal of several schools back east. The filthiest. I started reading some of the lyrics. wouldn't even read the lyrics. I said, I don't even read stuff like that. Filthy mouth, but yet they won't let Jesus in the school. Won't let the kids pray. Come on. We got toxic parents that are failures, and they, they spill their toxicity into their families. Come on. My earliest, one of my earliest memories just seeing my dad cut my mother's throat with his knife. I hated my father. I look up to my, I, I'd give anything in the world if I could have had a dad like him or a father like But you know what? God give me elders in Zion that became my fathers. God give me T.W. Barnes and hallelujah. Come on, God give me G.A. Mangan and James Kilgore and, and N.A. Urshan. God give me men in Zion. When I was a, just a, in my early teens, I went to, they took me to a youth camp. And uh, Brother Stanford, my pastor, said, you want to go to camp? And I said, no, I just got out of camp, man. Hallelujah. And they took me to a youth camp, and James Kilgore was preaching. And there was something about that man. And he walked back, and he put his arms around me, a thug, filthy mouth. He said, I love you. And I said, take your hands off of me. Every time I see Brother Kilgore, he said, just one hug. So they won't think it is. I, it's hard for me to get in this hugging with guys. Hallelujah. 
Brother Cooper said, just one hug, Brother Mahaney. I'm hungry for that kind of a move in the church of the living God. Hallelujah. I said, I'm hungry for that. A generation with no blessing. Toxic parents. I remember one day my dad coming in and my dad, my mother, they woke me up fighting. My dad had my mother down beating her. And, and I got me a pair of scissors and climbed back under the bed. And I thought if he comes near me, I'm going to stab him. And I lay there at night thinking, how could I get my dad's gun out from under his pillow and kill him? He cut my mother's throat and I laid there at night. And I said, there's got to be something besides this. When I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you know the first person I call? I called my dad in Southern California. He lived in San Diego. I said, tell him I want to speak to Richard Mahaney. Pretty soon my dad come on and said, hello. Very smooth guy like I am. Hallelujah. I said, hey, Dad, this is Charlie. She said, Charlie who? Yeah. I ran away from home one time. My folks moved while I was gone. Dad didn't leave a forwarding address. I'm serious. Hallelujah. Mom moved to one town. Dad moved to another town. And I said, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. He said, what, did you get busted? And I said, no, I hadn't been to jail in almost two weeks now. I don't drink anymore. I don't cuss anymore. I don't smoke anymore. God changed my life. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, I went to church the other night and got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, you know, your mama got that when she was a girl, and I wouldn't let her go to that filthy church. I cussed her and whipped her and wouldn't let her go back to that Pentecostal church. But I said, I got the Holy Ghost, Dad, and God's changed my life. And it was quiet, and my dad come back on the phone. He said, son, I want to tell you something. He said, all I've ever taught you was cussing and drinking. When I was nine years old, they put me up on a table in a nightclub, and I'd entertain the whole nightclub with little songs and poems that I've had to God, ask God to expunge from my mind. But he said, I'm proud of you, boy. I said, he said, is the cops looking for me? I said, yeah, the cops are looking for you. My dad was an outlaw. I asked him one time, I said, what did it feel like the first man you ever killed? He said, the sucker needed killing. I killed him. Felt like shooting a rabbit. And I said, I'm going to tell you something before you hang up, Dad. I said, I love you. He said, what? And I said, I love you. I forgive you for what you've done to Mom and us kids. I love you. I never heard my dad crying. My dad, you could tell he was crying. He said, I love you too, boy. I said, I forgive you. Don't you ever think I hold anything. I forgive you. You're my father and I love you. Two weeks later, they found my dad strangled to death drunk on his own vomit about three blocks from Revival Tabernacle in San Diego, California. But instead of having that haunt me, God delivered me from that and gave me a blessing. I hadn't had to live all these years with that on me because the last words I told my father is, I love you and I forgive you. And he said, I love you, boy, and I forgive you. Hallelujah. See, there's something beautiful about forgiveness, but I'm going to tell you something greater than forgiveness. The Bible said we're accepted in the beloved. Greater than God ever forgiven me was when God accepted me and said, you're not a stepchild. You're not an offspring. You're not a, come on, you're not an illegitimate child. Just climb into my lap. I love you. Hallelujah. I love you. I care about you. My little girl, she's not a little girl, but my little girl, I'm going to be honest with you. I was so hard when my kids were growing up that they didn't either couldn't live like I wanted them to or didn't want to. And my little girl, 
went against all I'd taught. She, she failed God. And they called me one night. I was in revival. And they said, Shelly's in the hospital. And you need to get home. And I walked up to the podium. They said, the airport's closed. It's ice stand here and it's ice stand in Little Rock. And I said, well, we're going to pray right here and God's going to unice it. It wasn't two minutes till they said, the plane's leaving. Get on it. Hurry if you're going. I got home. My wife picked me up. I went to the hospital. Shelly had told everybody, said, my dad will not forgive me. My dad won't speak to me. Said, if I'd seen my dad on the street, he wouldn't talk to me. I walked down that hospital and the nurse said, it's past visiting hours. And I said, great. Hallelujah. Just kept walking. She had her back to me. I didn't say, hey, daddy's here. You know what I've done? I climbed up into that bed and wrapped my arms around her and began to hug her and kiss her. And I said, there's nothing you could do that your daddy wouldn't love you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. She began to cry and pray back through to the Holy Ghost and is living for God now, hallelujah. I said, there's nothing you could do that your daddy wouldn't love you. Come on, I'm talking about the sense of touch. I'm talking about what we're gonna have to get to if we're gonna ever reach this world. I'm talking about the blessing we need to put on each other. Come on, don't tell somebody how rotten they are. Lift them up and bless them. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The sense of touch, the time of impartation, the time of, I, in, in closing, hallelujah. That's scary when an apostolic preacher says in closing, ain't it? But in closing, hallelujah. I was in a dentist's office, take, took my wife to the dentist. There's a Jewish doctor there that we like to schmooze with. And he gave me a book, a medical book. He said, where are you going, Reverend Mahani? And I said, I'm flying to uh, Washington, going to a chaplain. He said, read this article. It was from the, whatever the doctors read in their periodical, like we read the Herald and the, and the Astonisher, whatever it is. Hallelujah. And I got to read that article. And sitting across from me that day was the governor of our state at that time, Bill Clinton. And I said, Bill, you need to read this, man. Hallelujah. And it said that there was a Jewish doctor at Buffalo, New York, or, or at the University of Ontario, Canada, named Dr. Bernard Grad. He was a Jewish man. And he was a secular Jew. And he wanted to find out if there's anything to all the fables and the old wives' tales and stuff that they told that you. Remember the stories your mama told you when you was growing up? My mama told me, she said, you better not turn over. Your liver will turn over in and you'll die. You folks ever tell you that? Your mom ever tell you, don't do that, your face will freeze like that? She should have told some of you that. Hallelujah. But this doctor was trying to prove some of the stuff. And, and all his life, he'd been in Shabbat services and Pesach and, and, uh, and Sukkot and, and, and all the services. And, and every Friday night, the Jewish parents lay hands on and the mom lays hands on the kids and dad lays hands on the kids. And, and all of his life, he'd been in that. And he was trying to find out if anything really happened when hands were laid on. And he got one of those college guys that had him hooked up to diodes and, and heart uh, monitors and sweat monitors and heart palpitation and all that stuff. And he'd been working several weeks, and he was writing in his ledger. Now, this is in the, in the American Medical Journal. Hallelujah. I'm reading this on the airplane to Bill Clinton. And it says, apparently, laying out of hands is, is just another fable that's been passed down from the fathers to the children. Nothing happens when hands are laid on. But he said, while he was writing, that a woman that was cleaning up the laboratory said, Dr. Grad, 
what are you doing? He said, we're trying to see if anything happens when hands are laid on. She said, have you ever had anybody lay hands on those people that's got the Holy Ghost? He said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, she said, the Holy Ghost. He said, I don't know anything about any ghost. He said, what are you talking about? She said, the very Spirit of God lives. And he said, you mean Ruach HaKodesh? She said, whatever. Hallelujah. He said, do you possess this Spirit of God? She said, yes, he lives in me. He said, would you lay hands on that boy in Jesus' name, a college student? She said, I've got to do it in the, or she said, I've got to do it in the name of Jesus. And he said, that name neither blesses me or offends me. It's just another Jewish name, Yeshua. And it said when she laid hands on that machine that the thing went ballistic was the words it used in that medical. It went crazy. And she took her hand away and the, the needles began to, and she laid hands on the saying, and the machines would go crazy. He tried several other deals. Finally had her to lay hands on his shoulder and God healed his shoulder. He called a colleague of his from the University of Buffalo, New York, and they come up and done a six-month study, and they presented this called the White Page uh, Statement to the Human Dimensions Institute that it's been proven medically when a believer, everybody say, these signs shall follow only the hot dog evangelist, only Stone King, hallelujah. I can't even, <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody was imitating me, and Brother Stone King said, I wouldn't want people to, I wouldn't want to think people imitated me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> but they'd proven when a believer, everybody say a believer, touches somebody that there's an element called trypsin that's released from the pancreas and goes down to the stomach and gets in the enzymes and causes healing to speed up up to 200 times when a believer touches somebody. Hallelujah. Well, if that don't touch you, your pilot lights went out. You need to tell the one beside me, blowing my ear, man, my pilot lights went out. Hallelujah. Say, when a believer touches somebody. When a believer touches somebody. It can be a little old red-headed Pentecostal mama. Hallelujah. Or whatever color yours is. Hallelujah. Or a little nappy-headed guy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or no-haired. Hallelujah. Say, when a believer. Say, not what the Bible says right now, but when a believer when a believer, when a believer, that thrills me, don't you, mama? When a believer, when a believer, when a believer, could be a fat, ugly believer. Hallelujah. When a believer, I didn't say nothing. Hallelujah. When a believer touches somebody, it's been medically proven that an element called trypsin is released from the pancreas and goes to the enzymes and causes healing to speed up. Dr. Gred stood at the woman, looked at her, said, I find it incredible that a church has this kind of power and don't touch everybody. I do too, Dr. Gred. Come on. There's a miracle in here waiting for you to touch it. I said, there's a miracle in here waiting for you to touch it. Come on. I said, there's a miracle in here waiting for you to touch it. 
And when you touch it, it's going to leap into life right here. Come on, let's lift our hands up to him and worship him just a minute. Say, I'm not just an anybody. I'm a vessel of God. Come on, I'm not just an anybody. I'm a vessel of God. I don't have to wait for Morton Bustard or Lee Stone King or Charlie Mahaney or Freddie Clark or Billy Cole. These signs are going to follow me. Come on, when I touch somebody, it causes a medical reaction to take place when I touch somebody. Come on, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord lift up his face on you and give you peace. Hallelujah. Come on, worship him. Come on, worship him. Come on, somebody's going to go through a trial. They need the alabaster box broke. That's why the writer said, don't lay hands on any man suddenly because there's a dimension and a, and a blessing and, a, and a, something happens when people, there's an impartation of power. Boy, there's something that comes down to us through the generations. Last year when I was here preaching, I called Brother Justin out and said, the anointing of your, both of your grandpas are going to come on you. He said, Brother Mahaney, I've never been the same since then. Well, I don't have a grandpa. That was a, my grandpa was a counterfeiter. But you know what I got? I got the apostles and the prophets. Oh, I was shackled by a heavy burden. Oh, God. Breathe the load of guilt and shame. Paul said there's a lot of you sick and sleep because you don't discern the body. Well, where's the body? Who's the body? I want somebody in this section that wants something from God, an answer, a dimension of ministry, an anointing, something from God. You want something from God. I want you to stand and lift your hands. You want something from God. I want you to stand and lift your hands. Something, something happened. I want somebody in this section that wants a, wants a touch from God, a healing, a blessing. Come on. 
I want you to go over and lay hands on that man right there, Bubba. Come on, go over and lay hands on him right there. Come on, lay hands on him right there. Hallelujah. I want you to walk over here and lay hands on that sister right there. Come on. I want you right here to go lay hands on that brother right there. Come on. Come on. We're going to get into this touch ministry. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to go lay hands on that little sister right over there. Hallelujah. Come on, Mama. Get up. Come on, both of you. Get up. Go over here and lay hands on folks. Come on. I want you over here laying hands on these people. Hallelujah. Come on, come over here and lay hands on these people. Come on, walk over here and lay hands on them. Come on. Come on, come on, Elder. Go over here and lay hands on I want you in the middle section, right? They want a special touch from God. I want you to stand. Come on. I want everybody here to turn somebody, turn to somebody, and speak a blessing into their life. Come on, whatever you want God to do for you, I want you to speak it into their life. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. Something is happening in my physical body that's related to my spiritual touch right now. Touch me. Hallelujah. Jesus never refused anybody because they wasn't holy enough. Jesus never refused anybody because they didn't look right and belong to the club. son that's a touch of God you study a lot of the great revivals they broke out among the children a lot of the great revivals the Hebrides revival the, the Welsh revival broke out among children come on kids get sensitive to God come on I want you in this section to begin to minister come on reach around lay. come on speak that blessing Come on, he said, if you'll, if you'll speak that blessing into him and lay hands on him, speak that blessing. He touched me. Oh, he touched me.
Everybody now reach out and get somebody by the hand. Bring them up around the front very quickly. Come on. Come on for a body ministry touch. Come on. We're going to, the body's going to minister. Everybody bring, move up close, boys. Come on. Need to be a oneness among us like we've never had. Come on, I want everybody up right. Everybody get somebody, bring them up. Move up right up in here, folks. Move right up in here, right up in here. Boy, I feel an impartation in this place. I feel something moving in the spirit realm. Come on, God wants to touch you and get you out of that blackness, that darkness, that depression. Come on, let God lift you out of it. of the spoken word into the blood of the Bible and say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. With joy shall we draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Come on. You don't know what trial that one beside you that you you got to you don't know what they're going to go through. Come on, the only thing they're going to take into that trial is the is the spikener, the ointment that you pray down on them. When Jesus was being arrested, he could smell that woman, the what she poured on his feet. When they had him at the whipping post, he could smell that coming off his feet. When they nailed him on the cross and everybody left, he could smell that incense, that aroma coming off his feet that that woman had poured on him. Good God, let's pour something from vessel to vessel that'll keep us in the trial. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to turn around to somebody. And I want, how many's got something you'd like for God to speak into your life? A blessing, a, a dimension. You'd like for how many's got something you'd like for God to speak into your life? I want you to turn around to the one you're with, the person beside. I don't care if you know him or not. And I want you to speak into their life what God, what you'd like for God to put in your life. And then when you speak it, I want you to lay hands on them. And say, let the anointing to receive come on them like I've spoken. Come on, turn to somebody and speak the blessing you'd like to have in your life. More anointing. Family saved. Speak it. Come on, don't pray yet until you've spoken. I want you to speak it. Speak it into their life. Sam, speaking it into your life. 
It ain't even there, but I'm speaking it alive. I'm, I'm speaking things that are not as though they already are. I'm speaking, I'm speaking out of the impossible into the possibility. I'm speaking out of the intangible into the tangible. Now I want you to lay hands right on their head. Come on, lay hands on each other and say, God, let the anointing, let the anointing cause them to receive it like I said it. Now turn to somebody else and speak a blessing into their life. Come on, and let them bless you. Come on, turn around to somebody, let somebody speak a blessing into your life. Come on, you speak a blessing into that person's life. Come on, don't just bless your family. Bless somebody you don't even know. You may not even know them, but they're in the body of Christ. They're part of the body. When you touch them medically, there's an element called trypsin that's being released from their pancreas and going down to the enzymes, and something is jumping into action in the, in the natural realm because of a spoken word in the spirit realm. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.